Welcome to another exciting edition of Chiropractic United for November 13th, 2012. This podcast is brought to you by Chiropractic Biophysics Seminars. For more information on CBP technique, browse to idealspine.com. Also brought to you by Dr. Fred Dinamitico of Elite Coaching. To see how Dr. Fred can bring your practice to all new heights, browse to EliteCoachingLLC.com. And finally, by PosturCo, developers of the award-winning Posture Screen mobile app available on iTunes, as well as coming soon on Android, just browse to PostureAnalysis.com. All right, Fred, take it away. Okay, welcome out there, people in podcast land. Kyrie United Podcast, podcast November 12th, 2012. And here we are, um, Dr. Fred DiDomenico, Elite Coaching. We have our co founder, Joe, Dr. Joe Farantelli from Posture Co. and Posture Screen. And we have the MIA Missing in Action co founder. Dr. Deed Harrison, dead soldier on the field again. Thank you so much. Yeah, he's probably still hunting out in the woods. Is that what that smell is? Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that deer piss on his boots. Yeah. Yeah, what's all that? What's that about anyway? I don't know. You got to ask the hunter. I, I think he takes a shot of it and then spills it on his chest. Man, I think that's what it is. Something. Anyway, tonight we have an amazing, amazing guest speaker. Uh, chiropractor of the year three times, not once, not twice, but three times because he's out there bringing philosophy, bringing stuff to the profession and ma- making it better. Dr. Brad Gloacki, also known as New Patient Maven, out there changing the profession. How you doing, Brad? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome. Of course, man. We've, I think we've been trying to get you on here for a while. I don't know what it's took a, us. It's long. about two years we've been trying to do this. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> I think we forgot to tell you. I think that was a problem. We forgot to tell you we were trying to get you on here. Yeah. <laughs> I might have been out hunting with Deed. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, so anyway, man, you're out there doing a bunch of stuff. You got great uh, affiliations, and, um, you know, you're out there doing things with significant people in the profession. So, like I said before we were taping, we want to know the man behind the purpose. So how did you get started? What made you become a chiropractor? Hey, we're fellow LACC grads, so we know you didn't get purpose there. So tell us a little about your journey. Yeah, I think we all kind of uh, represent the fact that it doesn't matter what school you go to. You've got a lot of work when you get out. And uh, I was definitely, you know, proof of that going to LACC. I went into LACC really just thinking that, uh, you know, I wanted to be a a sports um, chiropractor. I played a lot of sports growing up. I had a a scholarship to play lacrosse in college at a Division I school on the East Coast. And so, you know, just heavily influenced by my personal experience having chiropractic care for neck pain and, you know, injuries related to sports that always kept me playing and, you know, got me feeling better within two or three visits, the miracle of chiropractic and, and didn't really understand the big picture. So, um, you know, I've always said that the one problem with chiropractic is that we make people feel better. And the reason I think that's a problem is because once they feel better, they don't stick around to hear the whole story and they miss the greater part of what we do. So um, I was definitely evidence of that and uh, went to LACC and basically had that reinforced. And uh, I started going to this crazy group when I was in school um, called the Dead Chiropractic Society. And uh, they started talking about you know, the connection of the nerves to the body and the, the way the body really works and what chiropractic's all about and, and really had the light bulbs go on. But it challenged what the school said. It challenged what the professor said. And what was kind of nice is it made me figure it out. 
you know, I couldn't just sit there and absorb the info and, and go that direction. I kind of had to, to really do some introspective thinking. So by the time I got out of LACC, I'd pretty much done a 180 and was an on-purpose philosophy-based chiropractor, wanted to fill my office with, with kids and patients of all kinds, and uh, it was totally different than what I went there for. So, um, you know, my journey was a little different in the sense that how I went to school, I actually came out better because what LACC didn't give me, I had to go find, and it just it resonated with me, and it's it's been that way ever since. Nice, man. You know, like you said about your first experiences with chiropractic. It's like the great thing about the miracle about chiropractic is it works. And then the bad thing about chiropractic is that it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just works for the right reasons. And some of the, you know, people got to get it, but, uh, you know, LACC, you know, it, it either, it either makes like uh, metapractors or rebels. So, uh, welcome to the side of the rebels. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> Good to be on the team. Yeah, God knows Billy was an LACC graduate. He he's the, probably one of the biggest rebels right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, the good. funny thing is when I was in school, all my friends were like, stay away from that guy. He's crazy. What's he doing? And I just said, he's doing what he loves, man. And it was definitely, uh, you know, it was definitely a draw to it. But if you sit, if you ever sit and listen to somebody like Billy DeMoss, the truth is he knows his stuff backwards and forwards. He is right. The way it's packaged is definitely different. But I think that's part of the attraction, you know, is that he's a crazy man and you got to listen to crazy people. So, um, yeah, he's he was on to things way before I was yeah crazy people change the world yep yep that's what we like so anyway so you came out of school you found some purpose what happened then went to dcs Uh and yeah, and you know, I got out of school, and um, the first few months, I, I jumped into a practice with another doctor, but I was an independent contractor, and long story short, in about eight months' time, my practice was about to exceed his practice, because I got out and I started telling the story, I was doing talks, I was doing so many spinal screenings, They, I was in places where they were calling the cops on me, I went door to door, you know, I had people yell at me, I had people come in that same day, I didn't care, I was just on a mission, and uh, I got to a critical mass where my practice was basically bigger than the guy I was in with. And, you know, I essentially got the boot. It was like, you know, this is what we're all about and sign here or else. And I just said, you know, I'm taking my chances somewhere else. I'm going to go open my own place. So um, after being out of LACC for, I don't know, six or eight months, I had to open an office on credit cards and no time for a loan and just, just made stuff happen. It wasn't by design. It was definitely by default. But again, it was one of the, the best things for me. It was just, you know, every day was exciting. Every hour was was thrilling. And at the same time, it was a little bit scary. But I wouldn't trade it for anything now because it definitely shaped my belief systems and deepened the value I have for chiropractic. And it's been nothing but a great ride. Well, I tell you what, it's funny that you said the whole credit card thing, Brad, because that's exactly how I opened my practice as well, too, because I couldn't get loans. Nobody would loan me, and I took out five uh, cards, and that's what I used for working capital for my, my, my clinic back in 2001. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's purpose, you know? It was, and it was just, there was no turning back, you know, and it, and as scary as that was and as disheartening, you know, for a couple of days, like, crap, now what do I do? I knew what I wasn't going to do. 
Yeah. You know, so it was like, well, I'm not sticking around here to kick stones for the next five years. I'll figure out a way, you know, and your purpose is definitely driving that. But just to be fair to the, to the listeners on this call, purpose doesn't always show up with a pretty bow on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of people think like, oh, I found my perfect. Now, you know, my, my, now my life is great because I know what I want to do. You're still going to have obstacles. You're still going to have things that challenge you. And, and that's when you got to dig a little deeper. So, you know, a lot of times listeners on these kind of podcasts or calls, they're not in the perfect place. At the time that all this went down, I didn't think I was either. Looking back on it, it's easy to say, wow, what a great thing that was. But, you know, the initial feeling of, you know, we need you to do this, this, and this, or you're out, it was clear to me, I'm out. And I didn't have a plan for that. So, you know, sometimes within that chaos, for those that are listening, that is your opportunity. You know, if you're kicking stones and and a little unsure of what's going on next, the universe is presenting you with something really good right now. You just have to change your perspective and find a way to embrace it. Well, you know what? Great philosophy I always have is no matter what it looks like, it always gets better. But you know what? The funny thing is, man, it's like, you know, there's so many chiropractors like us that are out there looking for associates or independent contractors. And here you are, like the, like the one guy that everybody is looking for, and this guy wants to kick out. Yeah, right. You know, like everybody looks for those associates. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's, uh, to me, it was a gift. You know, had I stayed or, or been in, in a different circumstance, uh, it wouldn't be this journey. And at the same time, I think probably what's missing nowadays from what I see um, is a work ethic. I think some of the students getting out of school, they want the quick fix. They want the fast solution. And we are in a business of taking care of people and caring for people. And you can't short circuit that. You know, you've got to care 110% with your heart before you get to put your hands on them. And, you know, part of that comes from being able to sit there for a minute longer, being able to do an extra screening that month. And it's work. You know, you've got to have a work ethic initially. And then there's so much momentum, you can't turn it off. You know, there's going to be people coming to you forever. But I think really, you know, the work ethic for for the students coming out of school Maybe a message from this phone call is that you, you basically outwork your, your classmates and you're going to have a bright future. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny because we were talking about purpose and then you talk about work. But with purpose, it's not work. You know, right. and, then I, and then the stronger your conviction is to your purpose, not doing it was never an option. Right. You know, like I think the problem is they think it's freaking optional. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like when you're great. Yeah, and I, I go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I, I was just going to say I agree with you 110%. It's not work. You know, when you really dive into your passion, you won't work a day in your life. This becomes your, your final hobby. You know, the, the, the metaphor for your practice is that you're always at play and it's yeah. not work. Exactly, yep. man. Well, you know, and that's like, the, you know, when you're on purpose and you know that you know that you know. Hey, we're spiritual beings, man. We're walking in this body because this is what we're supposed to do. And if this is our life purpose, then the greatest fear is not doing it. Like like right. not doing it is a greater fear than work. Yep. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Man. Go ahead. 
No, absolutely. I just, you're on a roll. I think that's brilliant because, um, you know, docs that, that find stumbling blocks along the way and then they expand them in their mind, you've got to see the forest of the trees and, and realize that, you know, doing it is fun. Not doing it is the painful part. And anything that lies in between, that's just a test, you know? That's right. Yeah. Now, Brad, I was just wanted to, to ask you because, you know, everybody – you know, a lot of people listening to the podcast have heard you speak before. And as far as what have you, as far, how did you get into uh, educating other doctors with the, the new patient Maven and what you're doing with that and getting out and doing talks? I mean, you're you're on fire in your practice. And then at what point did you want to start spreading it and seeing that you could help other doctors, you know, get that passion back and go out and help them build their practices too? Um, when did that all come about? You know, I, I had some great mentors along the way. Um, my roommate in chiropractic school's a, a guy who's a couple years ahead of me, uh, Ryan Blossie, and always took the time to share with me, teach me, you know, adjusting technique, um, philosophy. Just a really, really good guy that always was was giving back, and I, I took that in stride. Somebody like Billy DeMoss, you know, took mm-hmm. the time when I was fresh out of school. He saw something in me, and we'd sit and talk, you know, late in his office, just he and I, and that had a huge impact. And so I just felt like, you know, giving back and I, I bought wholeheartedly into the brotherhood, not because I had anything to gain, but I just was a recipient of good things. So I wanted to just give back. So whenever docs had questions or problems, I'd have them come to my office and just say, Hey, I don't have it all figured out. Here's what I do. Right. And some of those groups started to grow to where I had a designated night. We would do pizza and beer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would forget the pizza and it was just all beer. And, you know, and that was okay right. too. But, uh, it was almost like, you know, the group of three or four became 12, became 15. And it just got to a point where, you know, my wife said, you need to formally organize this because it's starting to chew into your personal time where I was doing it two and three nights a week, not just one night a week. And I just thought that's, that makes sense. You know, so I actually just started doing my own seminars and laying out um, you know, what it was that I did for marketing, how we started doing health talks, what we did at screenings. And the more I taught, the more I realized the need was and the more people wanted to dive deeper. So um, I started doing them all throughout the U.S. in different cities. And it was just myself for eight hours. I'd pick a city do it at an airport hotel and just go teach what I knew. And it was so awesome. And it's just the, the coolest docs would show up the best feedback. And, uh, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Wow. Nice. So how long were you in practice before you started doing that? I mean, was that something that happened right away or did you just go, uh, put your nose to the grindstone and crank them out? You know, I, I think I was probably like six or seven years into practice um, before I started doing like the pizza and beer stuff. And I did that honestly for about a year, year and a half. Um, I never had an intention to, you know, to be someone that, that shares regularly with our profession. Yeah, I kind of shudder at the term speaker. You know, and I know you guys do this, too, because you speak and get invitations all the time. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, what's it like to be a speaker? I I don't. Isn't it funny, though? It's like a funny term. It's like like, I don't think of myself as a a speaker. I just, you know, I've got some things I want to share and somebody else has got something that's going to complement my practice. So I don't know. I I think teacher learns the most. You know, when you try and break it down and teach it, I've had great benefit in that as well. You know, trying to articulate some of the things I do have really helped me with my team and my staff. Um, so, I, you know, it was never a goal to get out and do that. But 
as you know, you guys both know this really well, that results speak. And, and when people started using our information and putting it to work, they were getting dynamite results. That resulted in more invitations and more platforms. And it just it kind of took on a life of its own. And it's it's been nothing short of amazing. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Well, I know, you know, I don't practice anymore. So talking about a speaker, it's like, you I mean, I get to get up in front of an audience and talk about chiropractic. Like, really? I can do that? That's so awesome. Yeah. You can get doctors all fired up, man. Right. Like, that's, that's yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Can I do that again, please? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I heard uh, this was way back when. It was an old CJ story, which God knows where that came from. But but uh, he said he would tell this story, and he'd say, you know, he was sitting in a hotel room when he first started, and he had, a guy that saw 300 a week, a guy that saw 500 a week, and a guy that saw 800. And he goes to the 300 guy a week, and he says, you know, what's your table talk like? And the 300 guy a week guy says, you know, I really need to talk more about chiropractic. You know, I don't, I don't do that enough. And the 500 a week guy says, you know, I talk about chiropractic a lot, but I could be better. And the 800 a week guy said, that's all I can talk about. Yeah, I, right. I remember hearing that, and, I, and my goal is 1,000 a week. And I started thinking, okay, that's who I have to become. Right. You know, it's like, because, yeah. you know, when you get out, man, I don't know. My, I know my confidence. I, I was confident in my clinical skills, but, you know, you don't know how to give a report of findings and all that stuff. And then pretty soon it's like your conviction just goes through the roof, man. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was. And deep. I think that's. That's a key for for any student, I think, as well. If you want to exponentiate that learning curve is get a coach, you know, have someone that can show you those communication skills and teach you that stuff. And and coincidentally, I know that's what you guys do really well um, is, is, you know, speed up the learning curve. Why? have something take you five freaking years to figure it out and work and toil. And here's the thing about suffering. Who gives a rat's ass about that? You know, it's like right. suffering is so insignificant and some docs wear it like a badge of honor. You know, it's like, yeah. well, my first five years were brutal. Big deal. What did that get you? You know, it's like, exactly. you know, who cares? Like, it's like, they're so proud. They suffered. You know, we've all had bad days, but let's not, let's not glorify it. You know, let's get on with the good stuff because patients deserve that. And you know, this, this concept of, you know, speaking chiropractic, it was like being at the CBP, you know, annual this year, uh, talking to Deed, we started talking about our kids. Yep. And then a minute later, the conversation was still about our kids, but also a chiropractic lifestyle and how our yep. kids live it. When you look through that lens of being a chiropractor, that is all you see. And mm-hmm. that's where the volume comes from as well, is everything isn't, you know, it's not a forced thing to, to see the world as a chiropractor. It's it's part of your passion. And the bigger you get that passion, the easier it is to see things that way. Yep. Agreed. That was a that was a great talk too, by the way, that, that you gave. I mean, you, you inspired so many of the C B P doctors that were in attendance and we got such great feedback and it was awesome. And I you know, I, I was there with one of the, the guys that I work with who's not a doctor. And he was fired up again about chiropractic. He was like, I want to go and practice again with you, Doc. You know, because he was my, my right-hand man in practice, and now he's with me with the software company and on the road with me with CBP all the time. And he was like, gosh, I, I miss being in practice now after listening to Dr. Brad. You know, right so it was infectious what you said. It was, it was great because people need to hear that. And especially uh, our docs, a lot of times they forget that, 
you know, it, there's a lot of philosophy that we do and why CBP is what it is was because, of course, we have the science that proves the philosophy, but it's a philosophy first. You know, we need, always need to have the philosophy of chiropractic, and that's what's really strong, and that was great with, with your talk and giving back to patients and, and motivating the doctors to get out in the, in the community. Well, you know, I, I think that's why I love CEP so much, too, is because there is absolutely an art. There's a boatload of science. And the kind of the missing leg of the stool, again, for young docs and, and new grads, is the philosophy, but that's woven right through everything that CBP does. So I think that's such a brilliant technique for, for students to be learning because it absolutely helps them see the way that's going to create successful docs in the future. But the other thing that you touched on there, Joe, is basically, um, you know, getting getting out and reaching more people and something like what your software does is it puts it in a context that people can understand it. So when I started teaching chiropractors and showing them what to do, it was really funny because it was always like, what's the secret sauce? You know, what's the, what's the Jedi mind trick? You know, is there, and finally it was like, look, there's no bag of nickels. I'm going to whack them over the head with and drag them in. That's not, you know, right, it's not right, the deal. Right. <laughs> it was so funny because that's almost what they wanted was like, you know, the sleepy watch that hypnotized them. It's like, that's not it, you know, let it be their choice. And it's far more impactful. And I think that's what your software does is it allows people People literally to see what's going on, and if they don't like it, now they've got an option to change it. Yep. Um, but that that you know that mirror image, I think, and that reflection of themselves, and then obviously phrasing it and putting it in the right terms. Essentially, you create new patients. You don't sell them. You don't push them. They they just they choose it, and that's always the most influential thing is when it's their idea, not our idea. You know, and then you've got patients for a lifetime. Yeah, and that's something that, that Fred, you say all the time, too. It's A lot of these doctors come out of school, and they want to talk to the patient and tell them how much they know and show them how much they know instead of listening to what the patient wants to do and what, what they need to learn, you know? Right. So what's, uh, what's life like for, for you these days? You practice and uh, seminars, and what are you up to? Because I know you got big purpose and vision. It's been fun. Uh, you know, this year was a was a big year for me, kind of wrapping up 2012 as we do this recording. Um, I was teaching over in Europe six or seven uh, different occasions this year, so a lot of trips out and back. It's not really in the neighborhood of California, you know, it's not yeah. the most convenient trip. But, uh, and you know, sometimes what's fun is you get you hit with that jet lag, you know, 10 minutes before you go up on stage, and it's yeah. just like, mother, father. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, that's where that's where Nate Intelligence kicks in, and um, it's amazing that you know as spread out as the world is, and as close as the internet brings it, um, the fiber that runs through our profession is still the purpose of being an on-fire chiropractor. You know, the understanding that health comes from the inside out, and you know the the rule of the day is vitalism is such a key component to the future of chiropractic. And the more we get into the metapractic mechanistic side of, you know, trying to quote unquote be accepted, I think that the more dangerous our future becomes. So the confidence is huge. And again, you know, whether it's it's CBP or having a, a coach to show you how to utilize these techniques, chiropractors need to feel like first class citizens. And that's what I see in the places that I've traveled and gone. You know, in practice, we do a high volume uh, of patients. We've got 
you know, events all over the world. And at the same time, I think that confidence and the doctor as a chiropractor saying, this is what you need and here's what we do. It's still, it's still on shaky ground, you know, and and chiropractors need to really dive into their belief systems and really own what it is. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to keep bringing up CBP, but that's, you know, that's where the results build that confidence that deepens your belief system. So you go get more results, which builds your confidence. And, you know, that cycle is a very positive one. And I've seen chiropractors, Australia, New Zealand, who who have kind of lost that pizzazz and we need more chiropractors doing what we're doing, not less. You know, there is no such thing as competition. Well, you know, we had, uh, you know, on that philosophy that you're talking about, you know, when you look at guys like you, Brad, or Billy, or, you know, we had Chris Zano on here a few weeks ago that sees over 2,000 a week. You know, I think it is, I think what the key is, is just being simple-minded. You know, this is what we talked about with Chris. You know, a subluxated spine is a life or death decision. That's it. You don't need to think about anything else. Right. You know, all the metapractors right. and all that stuff. Sorry to keep going. But, um, you know, they're thinking too much, man. There's nothing to think about. It's the truth. It's the Alpha Omega. It's been here. It always will be here. It's a freaking law. And, you know, what do you see when you look at x-rays? You know, when you look at degenerative discs, do you see arthritis? Like, if you see arthritis, you're missing it, man. That's somebody that's dying faster that doesn't have that doesn't have degenerative disc. You know, so what do you see when you look at an x-ray? Do your patients know that's a life or death decision? And before that, do you, do the chiropractors know it's life or death? If you... Oh, we lost your Fred there. There you go. Go on, Fred. You still there? <laughs> so that's it, man. And, and you know, you got to admit, Brad, when you, when you see volume, you're not thinking, man. You're not thinking. You're just moving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to to kind of answer that question that you asked me a little more head on in practice, I see the results. I see what patients do. I know what it takes. And then when you step out and start sharing it with other doctors, some of the things, you know, that come up is, is that lack of confidence and, and it shakes a little bit, but if it's for the patient, not for yourself, then you can't get rejected Mm -hmm. because chiropractic is the gift for the patient. You know, and if they understand that it will shorten their life, it changes the quality of life for sure, um, then you come down to a moral and ethical question. And this is what I see a lot in Europe is that they struggle with this on a moral basis. Like, well, geez, you know, if they come see me for a long time, you know, is that morally okay? And it goes right back to your statement. It's like, look, if you see degeneration, you know what postural changes do to the longevity of the patient, the quality of life of the patient, then what's morally incorrect is to not recommend the right amount of care and to tell them they need less than they need. That too is a lie. Mm-hmm. Just like it's wrong to tell them they need more care than they need, which is what they're always concerned with. There's also the other side of the equation, which is if you're downplaying it and not telling them the truth, that too is a lie because you need to make your highest and best recommendation so they can decide what their care will be, not you know, let your fears get in the way of providing the best care for the patient. And I always remind them of that. You know, it's like when you're making your recommendations, truth is one of those things you've got to be spot on. And if you underestimate or overestimate, neither one of those things are okay. But a lot of times I see European chiropractors start to underestimate, you know, and they're worried about, you know, not having people feel better by Friday. Chiropractic has way more to offer than just that. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, um, the annual was the first time I've seen you speak. I know our, although we come from the same, a similar origin, our paths haven't crossed. I already, I had already moved out of California because, as you know, Billy, Billy and I used to practice together. But uh, I had already moved out by the time you had come along. So, but I was uh, also impressed not only with the things you said, Brad, but you say with the marketing tools that you teach that you help people come in for the right reasons. So, so yeah. tools to get new patients where well, they're coming in for, you know, health and uh, coming in for chiropractic, like the, the truth of chiropractic, coming in for the right reasons. Can you just give us a little tidbit on that? Sure. You know, I think any chiropractor, regardless of their technique system um, philosophy, I, I think the, the rules to your success um, is basically to attract believers. And what you want are people that are right for your practice style. To do the converse would be to attract anybody and everybody and then try to make a square peg fit into the round hole. That's when your practice becomes work, it gets hard, and you get burnt out. Yep. So a lot of the marketing and things that we teach are to attract, number one, a pre-educated new patient, but number two, attract a believer, someone that feels like when they walk in your office, they found the right office right away. Through the procedures of your office, it's congruent with their belief systems. So as they go through the process, they're buying into your technique, your philosophy, everything that you do, as opposed to just attracting anybody and everybody. And they're what we call the tire kickers. You know, they're coming in to, to, to see what the price is. They're coming in to see what you have for free. I'm over that. You know, I want believers, people that come in right away so we get great testimonials. We get great advocates. Then we have a second wave of new patient that we call called referrals, you know, and, and it elevates the profession instead of bringing patients in that we're ultimately going to frustrate. So you absolutely want the right kind of new patient in your practice right from the start, and you're going to have less people that don't start care, don't take on, because they really hear the message for what it is, and you can also, you know, weed out before they even walk in your door through the marketing process, people that are not right for your office. And I think that's been as valuable as attracting believers is also kind of making sure that people that don't fit don't even step foot in my office because that's a lot of wasted energy. And again, as chiropractors, if we're going to take this profession to the next level, then we've got to be seeing more, serving more, and, and creating more chiropractors. The truth is, if you're living the chiropractic lifestyle, you're living the dream, one of the byproducts, I believe, is that you're going to have patients, CA staff members want to go to chiropractic school. So this whole concept of attracting believers and new patients that already feel like they're a good fit for your practice, it has an exponential effect in the growth of this profession because people are going to get so turned on. They want to go to school and, you know, it's like, you know, Deed Harrison being a second generation chiropractor, you know, old man Harrison lived it for every minute that he was here. That's just an extension of who you are. And that's, I think that's something too for this generation of chiropractors, what we've got to leave behind is this, you know, ever lasting passion that it goes beyond new patients it goes into people wanting to be chiropractors and let's start filling up the schools with vitalistic you know chiropractors right from the start right Agreed. well i want to comment on something you said earlier and that was one key word and that's being congruent you know i think that's where some of the profession 
has deviated a little bit and uh, people end up miserable, man, because they haven't established their core values. And you compromise your core values or you're incongruent with your systems. And, you know, it's like, it's like, well, you're willing to take anybody. So you take the tire kickers. You know, that was very powerful what you said, because we would rather create great believers than have people that just basically take, take your time. And the thing is, as you know, Brad, you get inspired people. People that are inspired bring other people. So you're right. better off getting one person or two people that believe because you can end up with five people than, than having two people and three tire kickers. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, like get inspired people, man, and, and be congruent with the way you communicate and the systems in your office and people become inspired. Inspired people yeah. bring people with them. Right. And and the systems have to portray that message all the way through. You know, uh, there's a, a million examples we could give, but your procedures, your language, your ROF, that has to be consistent with the end goal. And, and it, let's be honest, it's not always easy to get congruent on that stuff. But the sooner you do, you've got all four wheels moving in the same direction. It's game on, you know, and there's so much momentum. You can't turn it off. You know, people who have that inspired feel when they're in your practice, that's, I mean, that's that's when you're not working yeah. you know that's when practice is fun yep and those are the lifelong patients that you know are always with you too and always building your practice yeah and then you know kind of going back to you know the product joe that we were talking about earlier where you can take you know two three four five views and put them on a single image you know like an ipad in your office and show them the progression show them the change uh, that's worth a thousand words every time you do that so to have comparisons and examples and people know where they started from yeah and where they're at they don't want to go back you know they don't want to 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 go backwards in their health and so you can't abandon the things that got you there. And so they choose to be the lifelong patient mm-hmm. and it's procedures and techniques like that, you know, where, where that becomes part of the congruencies Fred's talking about where it meets the message. It's consistent all the way through. And then ultimately the patient decides to stick around for a lifetime, you know, no voodoo medicine there. It's just the results speak and, and it's consistent and that's what they want to do. Absolutely. Yep. Nice. So what's your vision for the future, man? You know, you, you, uh, you you're, you're a man with purpose and vision. Where do you see uh, happening in the future, and where do you want to? Where do you see yourself and taking chiropractic and being an influence in the profession? Um, you know, I, I think there's a this is a really cool time in chiropractic right now because um, th- there's a lot of of new names and faces that are really emerging as leaders, um, you guys included. Um, you know, it, it uh, kind of have this company and you know a, a lot of the things that have been working for a long time in chiropractic are suddenly being challenged but at the same time I think there's a new level of leadership that's starting to rise and it makes me feel really good but I also understand that we've got a big job to do um, you know part of being the illustration I think of success whether you coach you've got a technique um, you're involved in the political arena and chiropractic you're involved legally we need all those aspects of chiropractic fulfilled to thrive so it isn't just about celebrating you know the high volume chiropractor anymore we need all aspects of this profession well represented and i see that i see that we are 
So number one, I, f- I feel really good about that. But number two, I think, you know, if you're living any one of those things to the fullest, you will inspire other people to be chiropractors and it will perpetuate our profession. So um, for me personally, it's I'm going to stay in practice as, as long as I live. I just, I love it. You know, I've had offers to sell my practice. I've had people want to take me on and, and do other things. I love being over the table far too much to give it up. So that will always be a part of who I am. Um, I also love, you know, bouncing around the world and, and learning and, and hanging out with with other chiropractors and finding out the differences because the more we think that we're on our own island or what happens here in California is different than Texas, which is different than another country, it's not true. Yeah. You know, in fact, to, to give a good example of that, like the UK, they had dropped the word subluxation and part of what Texas was doing was looking at, you know, utilizing some of the things in the UK with, you know, medication for chiropractors and injectables and prescription rights. They were kind of waiting to see what happened in the UK and then implement that as law in Texas and we're interconnected. You know, and those same kind of issues then popped up down in Australia and a lot of the legislature that worked in uh, the UK was then funneled down to Australia and was really helpful. So I like the way we're banding together this new band of leadership. You know, we're, we're not allowing anyone to be isolated. We're really starting to speak up and, again, create these chiropractors for the future that are vitalistic and, and not this mechanistic stuff. You know, I think mm-hmm. uh, all too often we get tied into wanting to be a, a medical doctor. That, that profession exists. If you want to prescribe meds and drugs and injectables, it's called a doctor of osteopathy. Yep. You know, go for it. Go do it. But don't try to change this profession. We don't deserve that. So, you know, I think for the future, for me personally, it's going to be, you know, being in practice and, and being out, you know, bouncing around the world and, and teaching. Um, but I think the brightness of the future right now is that when we have those things challenged, like the word subluxation, there can be a rebound effect where basically some of these countries where it's really been challenged, like in the UK, their groups have blossomed on the vitalistic model that have been kind of stagnant for a decade or so. And it's really had a great impact for those of us that see chiropractic for what it is. So um, I I think the future is brighter than ever. You know, the last couple of years, we've had some challenges and the way things have turned around, man, I'm stoked to be a chiropractor. That's awesome. Now, Brad, you know, as far as we talked about being a speaker, when are you going to uh, next be uh, spreading the the tick around? Do you have anything coming up where you're going to be present at? You know, I'll be speaking uh, at the Parker Seminars in January. I had some phenomenal patients that were Olympic athletes um, over at the Games in London uh, this summer. So I'm going to do a session on that. I'm going to do a session on some new patient and growth stuff. Um, My big mission with, with New Patient Maven has been to spread the message of chiropractic and showing chiropractors how to get into more corporations, more places of business to tell the story. So exactly what we were talking about, you know, attracting believers, how to get yourself more venues, how to set yourself up to tell your story so you have the right new patient, which could be different than my ideal new patient. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know what? 2% of the population seeing a chiropractor, man, we got a lot of room for growth. So I'll be speaking to Parker. Cal Jam is in March. That's always a big, big event. I'll be going down to uh, Parker, Australia in June of 2013. So just some of the, some of the highlights for next year for me. And when do you have your own uh, seminars that doctors can come out and learn more with the systems that you do? 
so I do two big seminars a year. I do one in the middle of the year. We call that the course correction. So if it's uh, May of the calendar year and you're not hitting your goals, then we do some course correction. It's all marketing, all techniques. Uh, and then we do an end of the year marketing bonanza and, and goal setting in December. Mm-hmm. We always do that one in Los Angeles near my office. And then uh, the mid-year one, we usually do that in the middle of the U.S. So those are the two big events that we host. And it's all growth, you know, all new concepts. Um, some of the stuff Fred was talking about is weaved right through it, the, the congruency in your message so that you, you attract people in your practice that should be there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, I don't know. I'm good. I don't yeah. have any questions. You guys have anything you want to share? No, I, I think I think this was awesome, and Brad, I just want to thank you again for coming on with us and you know sharing your vision and sharing what you've done with with all our our listeners. Uh, this is this is great, and if you guys haven't had the chance to go listen to Dr. Brad, I, I think you really need to to go out there and you know get to somewhere that that you're speaking, especially at your seminars or if you're if you're going to be at Parker, which pretty much you know a large majority of the profession goes to Parker in Las Vegas. That's going to be a great avenue to uh, catch you and, and listen in to some of your sessions because you got a lot of great information to share. Oh, I appreciate it, and thank you guys for taking the time to do this. It's uh, you know, it's fun to have leaders like you guys stepping up and doing more and making this stuff accessible. Because I'll tell you what, there's a number of students that it just takes one of these recordings to turn them around. And, and I've already met a couple of your products, so please keep doing this stuff. Um, you guys are both doing a, a world of good, and uh, you know, if Deed's out there hunting, then uh, you guys can carry the torch. Don't worry about him. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We'll we'll get him back. But as soon when he when hunting season's over. I I think I will have him back. Right on. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Brad. I will see you tomorrow night, Orange County, DCS. So I'll look forward yeah, to Yeah, I'm stoked to hear you speak, Fred. That's going to be good, man. you got to bring some fire. Oh, he'll yeah, bring he it. Has. I'll bring a hey, please bring, bring some person bring some personal Billy D stories about when he used to have hair. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Are we that old? <laughs> Yeah. No. Right on. Awesome, cool, guys. Man. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us, Brad. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. Have a great night. All right. Good night. Take, Take care. Bye bye. Right.